welcome back to Spectrum Sundays, where we introduce different self-advocates who play in a very important role in the autism community, as well as in the speech and hearing field. And this week, we have a very special guest, Christina Buttons, who's an autism self-advocate, and she's passionate about uh, educating on the topics of neurodiversity and mental health. So Christina, can you give us an introduction of yourself and what clubs or activities that you are involved in and that you like doing? Um, my name is Christina. I'm 31 and I was diagnosed last year with autism spectrum disorder, the Asperger's variation. Um, I'm what you would call one of the people in the community and online who are the late diagnosed online autism community. Uh, I, I started another page dedicated to my science writing about neurodiversity. It's it's called Neurodiverse Science, and I'm trying to educate about the uh, many neurological differences that autistic people have, um, and to show that not all of those differences are bad. There's a lot of autistic adults right now, and enough to make up a small minority group, and we just want people to know that we're the same, just wired a little bit differently. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah, and I'm so glad that you brought up your scientific work behind the neurodiversity movement and helped kind of introduce that because that's a topic that we'd love to dive into a little bit later. But before we get into that, on Spectrum Sundays, we like to share all different perspectives of autism. So we were really drawn to your story because you're recently diagnosed, you're an adult, and you're a female with autism. So we have many different questions that we're curious to hear your side from. But um, there's also different ways that we can address people with autism as a label. And there's person-first language, which is saying person with autism. And then there's diagnosis-first language, which is saying autistic person. So do you prefer the identity of one or the other? And could you explain why? Um, yeah, identity first, an autistic person. Um, that is what the adult autistic community feels best represents us. Um, although I sometimes just say I am on the spectrum or I'm an ASPE or I'm neurodivergent. Uh, I think a lot of other advocates are more involved over the debate and terminology than I am. And um, I just, I like to think of myself as more of an educator of cognitive science. I, I tend to steer away from the debate. Well, that's great that you have that kind of more scientific and backseat of it, and also that you're open to all different kinds of labels. And I think that's something that Francesca and I are interested in kind of disseminating, is that there's not one specific label for autism. Whatever individuals are more comfortable with. Exactly. As long as, you know, it's coming from them and not, I guess, a parent. Mm -hmm. I, uh, so my background is in uh, neuroscience. So when I hear neurodiversity, it really sticks out to me. Um, and this is something that you identify with as being neurodivergent. For our viewers, could you explain what that might mean if someone's not familiar with that term? Um, yeah, it's, uh, my, my background is in science too. I was, I was studying microbiology for a time. <laughs> And uh, I was really drawn to that term as well. I mean, it's, it just explains that um, neurodiversity is just a natural variation in 
brain development and um, that we should be all in, inclusive of everyone no matter what their brain is like. Absolutely. I agree totally. And the neurodiversity movement, I just learned a little bit about this in school. And Christina, if you're not super familiar, Francesca and I are studying speech language pathology. So we're very interested in seeing the science behind what happens in therapy and why parents and teachers and educators like yourself um, go a certain way in a certain direction. But I'm kind of. Kind of Cognitive behavioral therapy. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Can you share a little bit about what that is, cognitive behavioral therapy, for anyone watching that might not be familiar? Um, as I understand it, it's having control over what goes through your mind and sort of like analyzing what your thoughts and feelings mean and sort of correcting any cognitive distortions you might have. And you said, you know, Every, everyone has a tendency towards like bad thinking patterns sometimes. That's one of the problems with depression is ruminating thoughts and it's just where you get into this cycle of feeling bad about yourself and thinking bad things about yourself and CBT is a great way um, to stop that cycle and start feeling better and start thinking more objectively about the world and it's helped me a lot. It's Ruther and Stoicism, and Stoic philosophy, which I'm a fan of. Very cool. Well, that's one topic that I don't think that Fran and I have had much to talk about in our previous interviews, so we're really glad that you could introduce that topic. But kind of switching gears a little bit, we wanted to talk about your Instagram page because you promote beautifully creative artistic makeup looks, and you're an artist as well, and you promote other artists too. So how do you find inspiration for um, your art? And then how has that creative outlet impacted your life? Um, yeah, well, I would, I would say like hair is more of a, a thing for me than makeup. Um, as, you, as you can see, I just did this last week. This is a, a pastel rainbow. Um, and it, it's one of my artistic strengths is being autodidactic, meaning like I'm, I'm very good at being able to teach myself how to do things. Um, so this is maybe something like people would go to school for to learn how to do. Like I, I, I was able to teach myself how to do it. And um, it's just one of the ways I've expressed myself creatively. Uh, I was born an artist and I've been practicing some medium of art my whole life. Um, Currently, my job is a children's book illustrator. Um, and my third book is, is being printed next month. So. That is so neat. And I am impressed that you're gearing your artistic talent toward helping a younger generation, because that's a lot of what Fran and I do, but that's helping raise and empower and inspire a younger generation. So even just being an illustrator for children's books, that is very inspirational and that's awesome to hear. Yeah, I like it. I used to take care of kids with disabilities before I started doing the book illustrating. Very cool. Um, 
So amazing. So um, something I wanted to touch base on is that in your post, you were vocal about how autism looks different in females versus males. So for a lot of our viewers, they're still learning about what autism is and what it looks like. So can you talk about the differences and similarities between the two genders? Yes. Um, research has shown that there is bias in the way that autism is diagnosed. Traits present differently in females than in males. The current diagnostic criteria for autism is centered around male traits. So it's generally thought that autism is more of a male disorder. Um, but those numbers are beginning to change as we're learning more. For example, when girls have special interests, they typically aren't trained or something stereotypically autistically male. Um, they can seem like normal things. Like for me, when I was much younger, my special interests were Sailor Moon or Lord of the Rings. And they were my escape from a completely overwhelming world. And I would spend all of my time drawing the characters, reading the books, learning how to write in Elvish. Instead of interacting with people, I would spend my time trying to figure out how I can immerse myself more in these worlds to escape my reality. And that's just one example of um, things to look out for in, in girls on the spectrum. Right. There's totally different presentations, as you said, between male and female. And I think it's more commonly seen as male because I think there's a statistic out there that men or young boys are four or five times more likely to be diagnosed. So I think there's just and more. I think it's moving towards three to one. And then I think people are speculating, too, that it's probably going to be even closer to one to one eventually. I think um, autism gets misdiagnosed a lot. Mm -hmm. Right, and now that we have advocates like you and educators like you that share the female perspective and the female symptoms that are kind of hidden more so in this um, idea of what autism is, it's going to help young girls then be picked up for an autism diagnosis, which is good because then you can be linked to resources to help you kind of expand and to grow in the way that um, boys are given opportunities so I think that's great that we have you to share that perspective. Thank you for that. Yeah, so I mean, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I'd love to hear what you want to say. Um, just said, for me growing up, um, only, what all, only like professionals saw were that I had emotional problems they didn't see or what was causing them. So, I mean, anyone who remembers me from middle school or high school could tell you I was weird. I covered my face with my hair. I wrote on my arms. I would, I would get up and walk out of the middle of class, and I was often seen in the counselor's office. My IEP said I was emotionally disturbed, and I was in a sense but it was because of the sensory problems I was having and the social difficulties and just feeling completely out of place and misunderstood by everyone. That's why I'm so, so happy that you are here to share your story because I am certain that there are other young girls going through that, that those things that you had experienced and maybe, just maybe, 
one of them will hear what you're saying and want to pursue this further and seek further help. So I am so happy and proud that you are sharing your story because it takes a lot of it takes a lot of guts to do that. And I'm really, really happy. Yeah. <laughs> What's your cat's name? This is Mina. Mina Ko. Aww, she's beautiful. beautiful. She's beautiful. So kind of going right in line with what Francesca just praised you for, and then our conversation about misconceptions about autism and stereotypes that are aligned with it. Um, what do you think are some of those misconceptions and stereotypes that are important to clarify for our viewers? Well, a big concern that I see a lot, um, especially for adult women who are finding out that they've been diagnosed with autistic recently when they should have when they were much younger they're concerned about other people in their life being skeptical of their diagnosis and thinking that it's, they're just making it up or whatever and i i can understand that that it's not it's not a big concern for mine for me um yeah, exactly. Um, I think you have a very unique story where it, you're 31, you said, and just last year you were diagnosed. So I can definitely see how people who have known you or known somebody their entire life, family members and close friends, all of a sudden there's this label for your personality and your traits that are just part of who you are. And so I can see where that becomes kind yeah, of... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And there's been all kinds of characters in movies and TV that people are speculating about, like, oh, they have autistic traits. And then it's funny, though, because, like, growing up, I was told, like, oh, you're like this character, and you're like this character. And, um, or you remind me of someone with Asperger's. But never really, it never really, like, clicked before. I mean, I always had the idea that. I mean, I took care of like a few kids that were on the spectrum like, when I was much younger and I was always really good with them because of the sensory differences that I had too. Like I just, I always knew like when to turn to close the blinds and I was very in, in touch with what they were experiencing because I was experiencing too. And that was helpful, but I just, I never made the connection that I might be too. There was always a really thick definition of what it was. And... Wow, thank you for sharing all that. Really, I, I think a lot of our viewers will benefit from that, even if they're not on the spectrum. The, I think they'll understand other people who are on the spectrum a little bit better. Because like you said, you can't see it on the outside. Sometimes it manifests itself in behaviors. Mm -hmm. yeah, and, and that's all about acceptance. The spectrum because it's, it's all inclusive. Like, um, they can mean all, all, all kinds of things. Like, sensory stuff is one of the things I struggle with a lot. Right, right. I, I regularly have to put in earplugs that I carry with me everywhere. I have my, like, uh, noise canceling headphones. All, all the alternative lighting that I use around here instead of uh, regular lamps, I guess. It, is, it just helps make me feel better. Yeah, and those are really great alternatives to um, 
to just having to deal with those sensory issues. It was finding products that really help you with coping and managing those difficulties. Yeah. That's great. Weighted blankets help a lot. And, um, compression socks, even. Glasses, of course, too. And I won't go outside with sunglasses. Oh, yeah. Sure. So something we are going to talk about is um, the fact that Megan and I are Miss America title holders. We're title holders on the local level, so I am Miss Thousand Islands of the state of New York, and Megan is Miss Central Pennsylvania in Pennsylvania. Um, but because of social media, we were able to connect and start doing this, and it's really transformed into something really beautiful, especially since we have really great advocates like yourself on, and I'm really happy for this opportunity. But um, we also try to empower our youth to create a kinder and more accepting community. And we hope that stories like yours will encourage our communities to embrace and accept the differences and celebrate our differences and to be confident in who they are. So if you could give any advice to your younger self or to any of our viewers who are watching, what would that be? Um, to hang in there because life gets so much better when you're an adult and you have control over your life. You know, when you have your own income and your own place. Um, when you're when you're younger like in your teen years like it goes by so slow and you just when you're that age your brain is fully developed so you don't you don't you're not able to see past that time in your life that things can change and things can get better like, but they do i mean i wish i had known that that's great advice right um i love that you can Kind of point out that things get better over time and just to kind of embrace it as, as it goes and learn from what you can but there's kind of light at the end of the tunnel and once you can have a little more control over your, your life you kind of have that opportunity to expand your interest and you have um you're not put inside a box as much as when you're growing up through school and kind of told what to do and how to do it so i think that's a great perspective and then going along with that a little bit in the Miss America organization, it's a scholarship based organization and Francesca and I have the opportunity to advocate for higher education for young women. And we wanted to know if you've ever heard of the organization before you met us or if you know any title holders and what your impressions were of the organization. Honestly, just what I've seen in movies. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I yeah, I think it's great what you guys are doing. I think anyone can have an impact on their community, especially if you just take the time to reach people individually. That's where it starts. Thank you. And the reason that we thought to ask you this question was because we saw that you did some artwork on Hannah Brown, who is known to be a pageant girl. Oh, yeah. Miss Alabama USA at one point and she when she was younger, she competed in the Miss America organization. I believe that's where she started getting involved um, in her early teen years. So we were interested to see your impressions about the impact that we could potentially have on our community. Yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, I really, I, I liked her. I, I started watching The Bachelor Show a couple <laughs> of years ago. I was, um, it's just a fascinating social experiment. And <laughs> yeah, I, was, I really liked her personality that came out. It's cool to see. Yeah, mm -hmm. 
I think that's why so many people love her is for her personality and that she doesn't take um, smack from anyone. She just does what she does and she's so confident in it. And I think that's something that I can say that the Miss America organization has given myself is a sense of confidence and just knowing what I want and being confident in that. Um, so that's why we just asked just in case uh, you had any already uh, some ideas about what the organization was. But thank you. Um, in other in other news, um, there's a lot of current events going on in our country. And you just recently posted a little bit about like the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, but most importantly, how do you find resources to educate yourself? And what are some unbiased resources that you can sh share and suggest for our viewers? Um, well, unbiased uh, resources, if you, it's interesting, I found this not that long ago. If you type in media bias chart into Google, you'll get uh, a chart that's updated pretty regularly um, by uh, outside sources and things like that that will rate each news station based on, um, you know, whether they're left or right or in the middle. So what you're going to want to do is look for maybe like a neutral or balanced bias and um, fact reporting. Uh, if you're looking for like an unbiased view. And um, that's what I mostly just watch ABC News. That's, that's right in the middle. So then you can kind of like make um, your own opinions on your own opinions. Uh, I've been researching and learning as much as I can about black history and racism in America recently. Being on the spectrum, I have the ability to intensely focus on a subject that I'm interested in. And I, I recently made a series of infographics about systemic racism that incorporate two of my special interests, which is cognitive psychology and skeptical science. Um, they're about how racism is sustained in this country by confirmation biases and spreading conspiracy theories, which unfortunately you see a lot of in, in the media. Um, and I think if, if anyone cares about diversity and inclusion as it relates to autism and the neurodiversity movement, you should be reading or watching anything you can about Black history right now so that Absolutely. we can all be contributing to solving the problem. Absolutely. Of racism in this country absolutely exists. Yes. Thank you so much for hitting on that point. We don't really have an opportunity that much right now because we're at home, but we're trying to, to amplify voices of diver diversity through Spectrum Sundays. Oh, that's so, great. Thank you. Yeah. So hearing you relate the Black Lives Matter movement to something so visible and relevant to our viewers who know that we promote diversity and inclusion through autism awareness and seeing how they are interrelated with each other is so important for people to understand. Um, but that being said, you shared about unbiased news reporting and fact checking. And we know that we have to be conscious consumers of the news and the media around us. And there's also a time to turn off and to kind of step away from the media, the news sources, 
and just have a moment to center yourself and to relieve stress. So what are some of the things that you do at home to relieve your stress and to center yourself, especially during times right now where we're at home more than ever? Um, yeah, I, I know. I mean, I, I watch the news every morning and sometimes it, it can kind of ruin my day seeing like some of the just atrocious behavior that I've seen, you know, Uh, one of the things I do is called a reset shower, where it's kind of like hitting a reset button on my day, and I, it's, I, I turn on these like lights that we have in the bathroom, and turn off the regular lights, and I will sit in the shower, maybe with like a shower cap over my head, and just like listen to the water, and just take some deep breaths, and yeah, I, really, I describe it as kind of like hitting the reset button on my day. Just whatever it was that I was feeling that was negatively impacting me, I can kind of just start crashing there. And, and then I think about like what I want to do with the rest of the day and how I want to spend the rest of the day. I really like that. That's something I'll have to try because it sounds relieving for anybody that's just having a hard morning, a hard day. So I'll have to try that yeah. soon. I kind of compare it to what uh, Eleven does in, the, in Stranger Things, where she goes inside the um, sensory deprivation. deprivation. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> and um, she's able to sort of just like let all of the other things, um, what's it called? Kind of like wash away, you know, like wash away off and around. Yeah, it just helps her be able to focus on what it is that she's doing, by removing all the other like sensory experiences. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned Stranger Things. Do you have any recommendations of activities, books, or TV shows for our viewers that are looking for something to kind of get away from the news or the world around us? Oh. <laughs> Um, to get away from the news? Or even if it involves the news, if it's just a documentary or a series or something that you're enjoying right now. Uh, I've made it sort of my job. I mean, this month at least, I'm going to be only watching movies about Black history. Like, I just watched The Help. I'm going to watch Selma tonight. I uh, saw on Netflix, yep. the documentary about racism. Um, yeah, I just started 13th last night, and it's really good. So if you haven't started it yet, I definitely recommend oh, yeah. it. I, I, I saw that one. Um, but yeah, that's as far as other, other things go, resources. I really like Tony Atwood's perspective on Asperger's. He is a... Expert in Asperger's, and his papers on his website really helped me sort of come to terms when I was first diagnosed. Because it sort of it gave, it gave sort of like an, from an educated perspective rather than just I felt like I was finding a lot of opinions and I needed something more substantial. Mm -hmm.
Right. And I think um, what I've been hearing is that the focus of research in autism has been shifting from finding a cure to autism to really how do we enhance the lives of people who are on the spectrum? Oh, many of us. There's no cure for, for yeah. people who are on the spectrum. Um, right. We're here. Right, exactly. And what was the name of that Instagram or resource that you said? Only Atwood. Okay. Well, that's a good one that we can look up ourselves selves as well yeah yeah great you've got some great paper i mean it was like reading a biography there's one about a the friendship styles of a girl young girl with asperger's and how they gravitate towards uh either being in these sort of like friendships with older kids or or being in friendships with younger kids where they're teaching mm -hmm. uh, it's really interesting because I really do a lot of that. I had like a mix of a lot of younger friends who I felt I sort of taken under my wing or older who were sort of taking me under their uh, less my own age, less sort of like balanced. Yeah, very cool. I feel like I've learned so much just yeah. sitting with you for the last few minutes. There's so many different resources and different things that nuances that I never really knew as well. Like I, I grew up with some friends who are on the spectrum, so I saw their perspective. But of course, you know, everyone is different who is on the spectrum because it is a spectrum. So hearing your perspective has been really insightful for me as well. And I really enjoyed my time just talking with you and I feel like I could pick your brain all day and just <laughs> learn more and more information. <laughs> I, I enjoyed talking to you guys too. I have, I'm one of those people with kind of a flat aspect. I don't know how to express emotions on my face as well. <laughs> we, have, we have really enjoyed the back and forth conversation that we've had and the things that you have to say, you know, um, you don't need the facial expression to really make them meaningful and impactful. So you describing it as a flat, a flat facial expression, you know, that's important for our viewers to see because there's a spectrum of abilities that every single person has, whether they have a diagnosis or not. Um, but when you look past that, which people are typically used to people who have expressions, um, but this just goes to show that if you can look past that atypical um, presentation of a person, there's still a lot of meaning and worth behind it. So that is absolutely perfect that you shared that information because it, it really shows that every person has something meaningful and impactful to say. Thank you. Yeah, I felt it was about time I came in front of the camera. So thank you guys for this opportunity. Yeah, we're so glad to have you. So public speaking is sort of a fear of mine, so I thought I should do this. And um, thank you guys so much. Okay. Uh, and I, I think it's great what you guys are doing. Thank you. Is there anything that you've been telling yourself, like a mantra or anything that you'd like to share with our viewers, just to, to spread a little hope and positivity? You are not your emotion. emotions. Emotions are fleeting and they come and go and um, it's always better to don't react 
not done. Don't don't react um, right away. Take some time to think about how you feel and what the best way to get what you want out of life. You want from someone so they can understand you the best way. I didn't say that very well. <laughs> but the something is I try to work on a lot. Help people with their emotional regulation. And I think yeah, it's something we can all learn from too. I'm sorry, go ahead, Megan. I said the same thing. Everybody <laughs> emotional regulation at times. Um, everyone feels overwhelmed from time to time and reacts based on their emotions rather than, you know, their mindfulness. So that's definitely a wonderful piece of advice and you expressed it perfectly. Thank you, Christina. Yeah, that's one of the misconceptions people have too about people on the spectrum, how they seem to lack emotion. Mm-hmm. And I, I've seen from a lot of women that they happen to be like very emotional. I'm one of those people who is less emotional. So another aspect of the spectrum is to go a lot of different ways. Well, thank you again. We have very much enjoyed getting to know you. And I know that our viewers are going to learn a lot from this interview. So we thank you for having the courage to come on here. Although you're not always comfortable with public speaking, I'm so glad that you did this with us today. You have so much to offer. And um, where can everyone follow you on social media? Um, Buttons Live is the handle or Buttons Live dot com is my website where I have some of my science writing art. Thank you. Well, everybody, please make sure to check out Christina's Instagram page and her website. She is a wealth of knowledge, experiences, and information. So please use her as a resource and show her some love now that we know her a little bit better. But thank you everybody for watching today on Spectrum Sundays. We will see you next week on Sunday at one o'clock.